This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. Are there mismatches in qualifications uh, versus what's actually available? We have people who want to do certain work, but it's just not there. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Ammo is expensive and in short supply. Did you know that you can train without ammunition at your home using the Mantis X? All the best shooters in the world do a significant portion of their training with dry fire practice at home. The Mantis X firearms training system is a no ammo, all electronic way to practice and improve your shooting accuracy. It simply attaches to your own firearm like a like a weapon light and you can use it at home or at the range. The Mantis X gives you data-driven real-time feedback on your technique and guides you through drills and courses. 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes using Mantis X. The Mantis X is used by the Marine Corps, Army, and Special Forces. It's military-grade technology at an affordable price. And the Mantis X can improve your shooting dramatically, and it's a must-have for every gun owner. If you believe in your Second Amendment rights, you should also be able to act on your Second Amendment responsibility and be competent and confident in your shooting ability. Start improving your shooting accuracy today. Get yours at MantisX.com. That's Mantis x.com but we're not stopping here i'm determined to ban assault weapons in this country determined i did it once before and i'll do it again for many of you home i want to be clear it's not about taking away anybody's guns in fact we should be treating responsible gun owners as examples how every gun owner should behave. I have two shotguns at home. I can't, it's a long story, but I'm not opposed to guns. But I support the Second Amendment, and I support the Second Amendment. But the Second Amendment, as one of the most, one of the most conservative justices in history, Justice Scalia once wrote, like, quote, like most rights, the rights granted by the Second Amendment are not unlimited. Oh my gosh, where to even start? It was a long day. If you get the newsletter, you know your girl was burning midnight oil. So uh, good to be with you this Wednesday. Let me get you set up. So Dana Lasher, lovable curmudgeon. That was the president speaking yesterday. Wasn't that in, he was in Scranton, I believe, right? Yeah, he was in Pennsylvania. And uh, this speech was bizarre. It was a bizarre speech. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. It was a weird, bizarre speech, and he sounded mad, and he sounded petty, and he sounded hateful. And I mean, I don't. I, he just. I don't know how to describe it. It was a bizarre, weird speech made by a, a guy who he and he would yell randomly in the middle of stuff. I don't understand that. Somebody explain that to me. Like he and all of that, he'd be like this, and then he'd go back down. It didn't. It made zero sense at all whatsoever. So, I want to break down some of his speech today. I got to touch on the Scalia thing, though, because I've written about this extensively. I've written two books, in which I've covered it. I've written about it so much; it's crazy. The what he's talking about, Scalia's opinion in Heller, and Scalia even even talked more uh, about this afterwards. What What's so funny to me? I have to have a side note: is when the left constantly goes after and says oh well you know you can't shout fire in a a crowded theater which was not even actual you know part it it was dictum it was not even an actual part of uh uh, oliver wendell holmes's opinion when he was making that determination shank v united states and that was actually a, a, a really bad decision it was about government censorship and 
the uh, opinion that he's talking about here in Heller, everybody understands the Heller case because you, uh, you, you, everybody understands this case. The Heller case had was a huge Second Amendment, uh, Second Amendment case, and you, you, in addition to that, you had the McDonald v. Chicago case, which is, long story short, what they're trying to say is that part of Scalia's opinion, in which he was discussing limitations on the Second Amendment, they leave out the caveat and they leave out the context. What Scalia was talking about, and this is what he had cited in Heller, and he also talked about this in later speeches and 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 expanded on it further, he was mentioning, and here's the thing, here is the key, it's two words, and this is all you need to remember every single time anybody brings this up as a way to shut you down and say that even super conservative Scalia uh, what thought the Second Amendment had limitations. What Scalia was talking about was commonly owned. Commonly owned firearms. That is the caveat. And in this context, he had even gone back to the affrighting laws that colonies had passed at the time that each of the individual colonies had. And he gave the example that it's not applicable to someone carrying something unusual like a head axe it's 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 not it's in a head axe actually i had to google what that was i didn't even know what a head axe was kind of want one now i mean they're they're pretty hardcore looking but he was saying that that it was it's commonly owned and that he said that it was applicable to you know someone carrying something unusual like a head axe i actually i wrote about this uh oh gosh a long time ago and because i think it was somebody over at slate that had tried to uh they were they were trying to repurpose the decision that scalia had had cited or the the decision that scalia had authored but the whole point of it was that he was talking about things that are commonly owned. He wasn't talking about things that are uncommonly owned. And when he was speaking of the state's limitations upon personal liberties, he was he was specifically discussing unusual, n- uncommonly owned items. And everyone leaves out that context. They leave out that caveat. And it's so frustrating to see the president of the United States, a guy who literally went out and told everyone to go and violate the law and shoot their shotgun, you know, off of the balcony of their house because he thinks that everybody's rich like him, fleecing the the American taxpayer through a government abuse, and they, everybody has balconies on their multi-storied home. No, that's not how that works. I get I get so aggravated at that because it's such a bastardization of what was really actually a really brilliant opinion from Scalia, and these people are just too they just they just leave all that out. So commonly owned, anytime anybody brings that up, just know that Scalia's limitation was talking about commonly owned items. So if you apply this to what Biden is talking about with quote unquote assault weapons, let me ask you this. Does that compute? The answer is no. And why is the answer no? Because all of the semi-automatic rifles that he's talking about banning are things that are commonly owned, specifically 223 AR-15. One of the most commonly owned items. And everyone sits here and goes, oh, well, and he was talking about ballistics. You know, one of the reasons why I was actually reading this journal and I can't I'm trying to remember who authored it. Well, it was a journal entry and it, they were talking about modernizing the military going from, you know, uh, 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 going from uh, pre-World War One all the way up till I think it was uh, the Iraq War. 
They didn't carry 223 because, you know, oh my gosh, it's going to go and shred people. They they actually carried it because it's lighter than 308. So all these people who are who are making up this ballistic nonsense, it's some of the stupidest stuff I've ever heard. Some of the most anti-scientific, stupidest things I've heard. And I think that it should be a crime for lawmakers who don't know what they're talking about to write or push laws about the very things they don't know, they have no knowledge of. It is offensive to intelligence. It's illiberal. It's un-American. It's evil. I'm done with it. It really aggravated me because I'm so tired of hearing that bastardized. Speaking of which, can we get the, uh, what is this? The, I want my F-15. The hell's my F-15? I mean, can, F-15s aren't commonly owned, but, you know, listen to this. This was audio soundbite four where he mocked people for exercising their rights. Check this. And for those brave right-wing Americans who say it's all about keeping America, keeping America's independent and safe, if you want to fight against a country, you need an F-15. You need a, something a little more than a gun. No, I'm not joking. Think about this. Think about the rationale we use. You want to know the audacity of this statement? Who did we have on yesterday, Kane? Remember? Who was one of our guests? Uh huh. And who was the other one? Who's the other guy we had? Remember? Oh yeah, Tim Kennedy. Tim Kennedy, Army Ranger, UFC champ. Why did I have him on yesterday? Because yesterday was August 30th. And why is that date significant? Because that's the date, officially, that Afghanistan fell. I want Joe Biden to explain to me how many F-15s the Taliban had when they decided to take Afghanistan back to their control. Furthermore, let's go back more. I would like for Joe Biden to explain to me how many F-15s the Vietnamese had. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And really dovetailing into that, so if you don't care about the, if you don't think the semi-automatic commonly owned rifles are going to be any threat to the government, then why the hell are you trying to ban them? Hmm? And also, where do I get my F-15? Like, I will actually put in the hours to learn how to fly a jet. It goes fast, that's all I know. I mean, sure, I may accidentally fly into a tree. I don't know. That has to be a pretty big tree. But you get what I'm saying here. It was a real weird speech from a guy who really, he campaigned on being President McUnity. But you, but you knew, and I, I told, the, I said this yesterday, even before he spoke, and and now everyone else is catching up. I said this yesterday that he's just trying to change the trajectory of the campaign narrative. He's trying to change the camp he, because it's so far Democrats are in the hole, and the only thing that they have right now is trying to bait Republicans into a fight on personality which some Republicans are stupid enough to take, and it's just, it kills my soul. It burns my soul with the burning fire of a thousand suns. It just is so corrosive. People got to stop it. And so, this um, whole thing, his, his, his push, his meanness, what was the other thing he said? Uh, because where's, hang on, I got to get to, no, I got to get to the basketball point. I'm looking at, we have like 5,000 cuts of audio, so bear with us. Is it, okay, it is, oh my gosh, okay, when I, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. So, why does he always go back to weird stories like this? This is just, I'm just, just listen, no other comment offered. And just interject for a moment, my deceased son, Bo, he was the Attorney General of the state of Delaware. And what he used to do is go down on the east side, the, what called the bucket, 
highest crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area. What is up with him side. in the pool? And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is, or the best basketball in the city is. It's where everybody shows up. Dude, that's so weird. He always has to go, and I was the only white. I mean, golly, he's obsessed with race. We're going to come back to this because uh, I don't know if you got my newsletter yesterday, but um, let the gorbasm begin. I, I, I te- uh, messaged my friend, uh, David Limbaugh, a very close friend of mine. I've known him for years. And I said, I just I have to tell you, I had to mega dittos to your, your lay brother here. I, I had to, I had, I mean, out of, it was like he, this was perfectly constructed for this time. And I am just, I, I saw some of this yesterday. I almost wore my Better uh, Dead Than Red shirt, actually. And I, I would have, but I, actually, I just forgot because I've been so busy today. Uh, I actually just forgot to wear I do have one. Mikhail Gorbachev uh, is dead, age 91. And I get it. I wrote in my newsletter, I, I don't lionize communists. And I know that the media began their, necromatic, their necromantic fawning of, over Gorbachev yesterday. Because they were trying to say, oh, he, he's the guy who, he, got, he ended, helped end the Cold War. You mean, first off, by helping in the Cold War, he got his ass kicked. He stood by and did nothing. Because it was Reagan, and it was Thatcher, and it was Lekwasela, and it was the, the workers in Poland that Wasella led. It was the Pope, it was a lot of other people that actually ended the Cold War. You're giving credit to Gorbachev for not going full on Mao. He got a Nobel Prize in 1990 only for going a little Mao. And then right after that, he decided to roll tanks into Lithuania and Latvia. By the way, he got his Nobel Prize and then he carried out a bunch of bloodshed in Latvia. So let's not. We're going to come back to this as well. We've got a lot to come, a lot to get into today because I have uh, California. They are already, guys, they're telling everyone they're limiting everyone's electrical use. They're saying we got to we have to uh, keep the grid up. Uh, we may have rolling blackouts. You have to limit your electrical use. So hurry up and plug in. Remember, this is the state that's going to be banning all gas power vehicles by 2030. Go ahead and power all your EVs up. Power them up all now, guys. Charge them up because you got to turn off the power. As ransomware and other cyber attacks continue to sweep the nation, traditional antiviruses continue to fail as they cannot detect new malware and ransomware. And that's because they operate off a blacklist. And many of these antiviruses are made in the same foreign countries that the malware originates from. PCmatic is the only solution that is one 100% made in America and uses proprietary whitelist technology to protect against all known and unknown cyber threats, including ransomware, malware, identity theft, and nation-state attacks. PCmatic protects homes and businesses of all sizes. PCmatic also makes your computers run faster by performing automated maintenance and system optimization. Protect your devices with an American-made cyber solution. PCmatic is just $50 for five devices for one entire year with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. Act now and receive $5 off your entire order of PCmatic protection by visiting PCmatic.com slash Dana. Again, to protect you and your family from ransomware, malware, and other cyber threats, visit PCmatic.com slash Dana. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Everybody, bow your heads, throw up some words, pour a little out for E. Bryant Crutchfield. The, oh, you don't know who Mr. Crutchfield is? I'm sorry. He invented the best folder system in the world, the Trapper Keeper. 
If you are a child of the 80s or the 90s or just simply an admirer of nostalgia as it relates to school items, then you know Mr. Crutchfield. His brainchild, the Trapper Keeper, became a ubiquitous presence in school hallways across America. The Trapper Keeper inventor was 85 years old. He had been on hospice in Marietta, Georgia. I legit purchased two Trapper Keepers, original ones like remade, you know, because I love them so much. Everything else just absolutely is horrible to compare to the Trapper Keeper. So God bless you, dude, for making wonderful covers, including Lisa Frank stuff for all of my folders when I was in school. Uh, also, millennials apparently are the poorest generation, and they are getting poorer since the last recession. The, this is from the National Bureau of Economic Research. They said that their average wealth was lower than any other generation in 2016. The key event was the 2007 recession, because right as they were, and this was this was right as some of the younger millennials were entering the workforce, they had tons of student debt, which actually complicates it so much. That's the majority of the problem. And fewer opportunities because of the economic problems. So it was a one-two punch. And then in 2010, it was made even worse by the nationalization of the student loans. 75% are failing CDC exercise standards and no one cares. Stick with us because uh, Gorbasm. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 998899. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Это Горбачев. Это из-за него у нас. В экономике бардак. You guys remember the Pizza Hut commercial? That uh, Mikhail Gorbachev made? Because he needed money? The big avowed communist who hated capitalism? It was wild. I just thought that that was just the chef's kiss of it all, isn't it? Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you, your lovable curmudgeon. So as I said yesterday... I saw some of the media fawning about this, which is why immediately it made me angry. Uh, and I, I wrote a piece about this. So I just so let me give you perspective. I always thought because my, my husband is almost eight years older than me. So he has a very different view of when the Berlin Wall fell and the collapse of the USSR in 1991. I mean, it was. It was huge. It was huge. If you, you imagine you're a senior in high school, freshman in college. I mean, it's huge. 
Uh, I was in seventh grade when the USSR collapsed on Christmas Day, Natch. So, which was just, again, chef's kiss. And I wrote a piece about this, the headline being, and uh, some mega dittos there, Mikhail Gorbachev is dead, let the Gorbasm begin. And I, when I wrote Grace Cancelled uh, several years ago, I wrote that Christianity is the enemy of Marxism because Marxism doesn't view people as individuals. They are merely instruments. And God is a threat to the state and has to be hidden. Anything that challenges the state for control is a threat. And so when Mikhail Gorbachev, he passed away yesterday, age 91. I mean, I guess, you know, he really took better dead than red. Seriously. He was photographed uh, a couple of you know decades ago. He was mediating at the tomb of St. Francis of Assisi. And he was quoted as saying that it was through St. Francis that he arrived at the church. And so that's why he wanted to go and visit. And it was funny because almost immediately it was downplayed by a spokesperson. They were saying, oh, no, he's not a regular churchgoer. And I just always thought that was kind of weird. Like, why would... You know, you, heaven forbid you look too fervent. Heaven forbid you look too religious. And Reagan once told the press that he thought that Gorbachev was a closet believer. And I always thought that was just Reagan being charitable. But regardless, the Soviet Union, Union ended on Christmas Day, 1991, at least how the West recognizes Christmas Day. And I had highlighted this piece from Joseph Lecomte, this where he was discussing the Politburo and how they rationalized the systemic repression of human rights because they treated people as a means to an end. You know, the censorship, the, sur- the surveillance, the show trials, the purges, the gulags, that was the norm. And they had a total collapse of civil society and complete economic stagnation. And Reagan, Reagan was a committed Christian. I've been to Rancho del Cielo. That was, that's his, his ranch in the sky, literally. Uh, and that's in the, the uh, Santa Inez Mountains in Santa Barbara. Beautiful. And he has these, he had these stones all around his property. He, he would scare the wits out of Secret Service because he'd hop on his horse and just go galloping off a mountain. And I mean, driving up there, it legit was like an Indiana Jones road. I mean, you had a steep, like 60 foot something drop in a canyon and it was a one lane gravel road. And I mean, at one point when we went up there, they asked if I wanted to drive this old secret service Hummer. And I've never seen my husband look more terrified. I can imagine telling that you're telling your husband that you're having like multiple triplets or something like multiple sets of triplets and they're terrified. multiply that fear on the face by a thousand. And that's what my husband looked like. The idea of his wife driving a big Hummer on a little skinny gravel road going up a cliff to Rancho del Cielo. He had Gorbachev there at one point. Reagan did. And it was interesting because Reagan, he was a deep Christian. There were stones all over Rancho del Cielo that had different, his his favorite verses uh, from the Bible uh, uh, etched into them. And he would actually go up there and he had his little prayer spots and he was very, he was very committed. And he at one point had said that um, he, be- he believed communism is another sad, bizarre chapter in human history. But he said he, he thought our source of strength in the quest for hum- human freedom wasn't material, but spiritual. And that must terrify and ultimately triumph over those who would enslave their fellow man. Now, like I said, I was in seventh grade when the USSR collapsed and I, 
didn't know much about what was going on except communism was bad. I enjoyed all of the rock anthems. I enjoyed hearing the stories of all of these musicians that were in Europe and they were getting ready to play a show when the wall fell and all of the, the news reels of these mohawked punks that were sitting on the graffitied Berlin Wall. I mean, I've seen all of it. I just knew that, that Gorbachev was a communist and I never really got the media's portrayal of him as this quiet hero because he was a communist and communism is incompatible with Christianity. The end. Communism doesn't give free will, but God does. So later on, Gorbachev, he seemed bitter. He said the West should have supported his, his perestroika. So he had the, the perestroika, and that was his kind of economic reform. And then they, he also had his reform of speech and, and expression. And everyone's like, oh, well, because Gorbachev was, you know, not as bad as the other communist leaders, as the other tyrants, that means he's good. That's the way the media rationalizes this. Oh, he didn't kill as many people as Mao, so he must be a good communist. There's no such thing as a good communist. I mean, his, his reforms weren't freedom. Gorbachev's literal slogan was more socialism means democracy. He repeated that over and over again. He myopically thought that he could mollify a people by offering just enough freedom, like some communism light, right? Less calories while maintaining a basic communist structure. But his fatal error was that he underestimated the appeal of freedom. Because when people get a taste of freedom, they want more. And now, today, the media romanticizes his failure as virtue. It's so bizarre. No, I will only give him credit for unintentionally killing, at least in Russia, Soviet Marxist-Leninism. They've had versions sprout up elsewhere, like spores from black mold sprout up in China and inside Putin's head. Um, but, you know, everyone's like, but the Iron Curtain's gone and the Berlin Wall fell. I was looking, Newsbusters had a piece. There was some entity that had a headline that literally said Gorbachev tore down the Iron Curtain, which is one of the most ahistorical, stupid things I've ever read in my life. And the people who wrote it should feel bad forever. They should feel bad. Their family should feel bad for just being related to them. <sighs> but this, you know, this, the Berlin Wall fell, yes. And whether you like NATO or not, there are a bunch of uh, former communist countries that now want to join it. And then Ukraine, even though they have all their corruption, I mean, they used to be like the crown jewel of the Soviet republics in the USSR. And they've been able to, to thwart Putin's war machine thus far. But here's the, here's the key. All of this grew in spite of Gorbachev, not because of Gorbachev. That's the big thing. He used to... Uh, lament to friends and there was a piece in newsweek and this piece was published uh it was it was based on an interview that was in a book it was an interview from like 19 like in the 90s and it was in a new book that was coming out and he he criticized putin he didn't criticize putin early on but then he started criticizing him saying that he destroyed much of his reforms and legacy but i how i don't i disagree with that now, the, the Politburo said that Gorbachev was a coward because he was afraid to be brutal. He was brutal, though. I mean, the people who say that Gorbachev was less brutal, I'm not sure Lithuania or Latvia would agree with you. I, I, have you heard of the barricade in Latvia? They had Soviet forces 
kill protesters in Lithuania and in Latvia because they were peacefully protesting against invasion and for independence, and they were killed. The Soviet tanks rolled into Riga, which is the capital of Latvia, and they, 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 when, they, when they sent their tanks in, thousands of people were in the street, and they were putting up barriers to protect their buildings and, and all of this, and, and the Soviets were killing people. And what's so funny... Not so funny. It's actually sad. He received, Gorbachev got the Nobel Peace Prize in 1990 for, quote, helping to end the Cold War. He got this after the bloodshed in Latvia. I guess it was a consolation prize from the world to Gorbachev for not going full Mao, just a little Mao. He didn't end anything. He stood by as Reagan and Thatcher and Lekwasella and the Pope and so many others actually ended the Cold War. So the media immediately began yesterday their necromantic fawning and their, their rewritten history. But never forget that there are several facts here. The West won the Cold War. The West ended the Cold War. Not Gorbachev. And the last leader, the last Soviet leader, an avowed communist, ended up caving to capitalism and bringing us back to when we started this segment, did a Pizza Hut commercial. Chef's kiss. So yes, better dead than red. Now, it's true, Lithuania actually pressed charges. They charged 66 Russian citizens and uh, the, some in Belarus and Ukraine with war crimes after the crackdown. And this was in 2015 that they finally they brought that over. They pressed charges over the deaths in the 1991 Soviet crackdown under the somewhat less brutal, right, Gorbachev? <laughs> A lot of people don't know their history. And... There, it, and it's kind of divided because in Russia, a lot of people, they, the, the communists, they don't think that he was. They, they blame him for uh, ruining the USSR, and that's where Putin is. Putin absolutely is old school. He is old school in the way that he wants, he would love to have the USSR back. When they, under those, those reforms, because you had the, the perestroika, Gorbachev, I guess, was mad because people didn't want to go a little. They didn't want to go like light communism, light with the economy. But people, they they actually were able to speak a little more because he thought that maybe you could just give people that and they would be happier in communism. And it didn't work. Didn't work at all. I was reading some of the comments on the post and it was interesting. I got some emails, too. Uh it was there were some who had said that they were the same they were the same age and uh, my age and they were on the other side of the iron curtain when it collapsed and it was interesting they said many people didn't cope well with the changes but much more did great and tried and still trying to resist putin's regime when it happened and they wrote you're exactly right gorbachev is looked at as a hero because he failed he tried to keep a socialist system but it was always too little and too late so it's very it's very interesting. Very interesting to look at the history of this. I, when I, I had a friend who uh, I used to ride the school bus with her. We didn't have any classes. And her name was Trisha. And her dad was German and apparently was in Berlin when the Waffle. He was an auto mechanic. And, he, and I remember when she told me he lived in East Berlin. 
I always thought that was interesting. I never know what happened to her, but I, 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 it was just very interesting. I remember we came back for uh, uh, winter break, and I think she said her dad was coming to the United States or something like that. Hmm. Now, as I was saying, the press, they were going, have you noticed normally when you have world leaders die, there's wall-to-wall coverage on cable news? You didn't see that this time, did you? Interesting, isn't it? Very interesting. Out with a whimper. I'm not being graceless. I'm being accurate. There's a, there's a big difference. So coming up, we have a lot more to unpack still. For the IRS, Joe Biden has picked someone to lead the creation of the new centralized office for the IRS expansion. Would you be shocked if I told you that he selected a Lois Lerner lackey? You remember Lois Lerner. She was the woman who was persecuting conservatives using and abusing her authority at the IRS. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to get into the problem with, oh boy, California struggling with the energy and the raid photos. Have you seen this? Apparently the FBI threw everything around in Trump's office and uh, sent out leaked pictures out, I guess. And then you got people like Eric Swalwell, who slept with a Chinese spy, uh, who tweeted a picture of information that he says is dangerous if it is made public. Does that any make sense to you? Because it doesn't to me either. Caltech Innovation is back to back. You've heard me talk about Caltech's P50 pistol. Now here comes the new 9mm P15 carry pistol. Quality engineered, the 9mm P15 carry pistol is the lightest, thinnest of its kind in Caltech's first striker fire handgun. And as another first, the P15s feature a totally unique patent pending 15 round extended magazine. Now other features include ambidextrous grip, safety, reversible mag release, and the hybrid fiber optic night sights with full adjustable rear that all comes standard it's from Keltec inventors of subcompact polymer and now metal handguns the p15's gator grip texture on the polymer version increases stability and makes for easy accurate handling while the all metal version offers comfortable but positive traction and a really beautiful wood grip panel the p15 is the dependable firepower you need to secure your world see the new nine millimeter p15 first up close and personal at keltecweapons.com that's k-e-l-t-e-c weapons.com Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Sign up for the newsletter over at Substack called Chapter and Verse because you get all kinds of stuff, including some snarky snark and all that. You get all kinds of stuff. And, uh, of course, you get my daily radio prep and deep dives and all this. So a lot, a lot happening. So... This isn't on my rundown, but I'm considering maybe, possibly, getting another dog. Maybe. But I don't know what kind I want to get. Chris kind of. I'm not allowed to go. Like, I'll send. I don't, I don't ever talk about this stuff. I mean, I talk about um, Delta Rescue just because I want to help them. Uh, and boost them in the efforts, what they do. But I there's, like, so many different animal shelters that I will like donate to or send stuff to and I just don't you know I I'm very uh uh New Testament about it but I can't like I'm my family has banned me from going to animal shelters because I will come back with all the dogs and then I'll have to quit my job and I'll just be in my yard with all my dogs like it'll be like what Leo does except I'm not on a mountaintop I'm in a backyard in Texas so it's you know very different don't don't have the same amount of space 
So I'm, it's like I'm trying to think because Rocco, who is our French bulldog, I don't know if I can do another Frenchie because after we lost Louie and I was so traumatized because I get so attached to animals, like ridiculously so for, I mean, I talked to Louie like he was a person. We'd have conversations. I swear to this day, I think he talked back. But I just don't know because the, brachi- the brachiophallic dogs have, they have some issues. Like Rocco has pneumonia right now. When he went in to get surgery on a part of his jaw, I guess he aspirated a little bit, and that's a risk with these types of short-faced, you know, dogs. So he's on pneumonia. My dog has cough medicine he takes. My dog takes cough medicine right now. My dog. I've never in the history of my life have had that issue. So I don't know. I'm considering it. I don't know what kind I want to get. I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm all, I want all of them. I just want all the dogs. Second hour on the way. We've got Seth Dillon with Babylon B and Matt Welch on the way. With the recent rulings from the Supreme Court, it's worth mentioning that these wins didn't happen on their own. It took the support of companies like Patriot Mobile, who have passionately fought on behalf of the unborn and your constitutional rights. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they've been on the front lines fighting for your values. This is why Patriot Mobile is different from every other provider out there. Inflation has made it really hard on many Americans, and thankfully, Patriot Mobile has plans for almost any budget, and they offer the same nationwide coverage as all the major carriers. So you get the same great service, plus the knowledge that your money is going to a company fighting for the sanctity of life, religious freedom, and the Second Amendment. Visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. Use offer code Dana to get free activation. If you're a veteran or first responder, please let them know because they have special discounts just for you. Come join the movement and make the switch. PatriotMobile.com Dana, PatriotMobile.com Dana, or call 972-PATRIOT. When it comes to public safety in this nation, the answer is not defund the police. It's fund the police. (laughs) Fund the police. So welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Wednesday, almost a Tuesday again, everybody. That was Joe Biden and his Scranton screed yesterday. He you can tell how much the whole defund the police thing hurt the left, hurt Democrats. Now, he says he and he also said. Before he even got to that point, and it was like an aside, because I was reading through the transcript of his speech, and he didn't say that, it, or it wasn't in the speech written, but he had said at one point, nobody, nobody wants to defund the police, and he was talking about Democrats. Yeah. Really, though? Because we, we, and by we, I mean Steve, audio sound by three, there is a seven-minute montage of every Democrat official on God's green earth calling to defund the police we whittled it down to the best. Listen. So we've been talking about defunding the police. Uh, there's some issues that we ask police to do, like mental health issues or policing in schools and all the rest, that perhaps we can uh, shuffle some of that money around. Suck it up. Defunding the police has to happen. We need to defund the police. Mayor Eric Garcetti saying, take some of the money from policing, about $150 million. I applaud Eric Garcetti for doing what he's done. Not only do we need to disinvest for in police, But we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. So yes, defund your butts, defund you. Yes, I support the reallocation of resources uh, from NYPD. We will be moving funding from the NYPD to youth initiatives and social services. They are talking about reducing the allocation of resources to that department. And I think every single city in this country ought to be thinking about the same thing. Yes, I support the defund movement. I'm for 
responsible reallocation of resources. And defund the police. I think you do all those other things, you don't need all the money that's going to the police department. So yeah, I mean, the spirit of it, I, I, I do support that. Oh, they, they do, though. Huh. Imagine that. See, it is about defunding the police. Now he says, Biden's like, oh, no, I want to I wanna fund them. And he, what is it? His Make America blah, blah, blah plan. It's not making America safer. It really isn't. But that's his Make America Safe plan. Safer America, whatever plan. And he laid this out. He was trying to get past the, all of the economic awfulness and try to chart a new course for offense that Democrats can use going through midterms because they're struggling. But what does it mean when he's like, oh, yeah, we want to fund. He went back and, and he was rehashing some of the stuff that po- PolitiFact, you know, the super conservatives at PolitiFact came. <laughs> I mean, they're just like modern day little Reagans. They actually, because this first came up in 2021 when the bill was first proposed, they've rated his argument that Republicans voted against police funding. They rated it as being false. It was a part of his bitter plan that didn't make it. And he stuffed a portion in there. It was like a paltry. It was like supposed to be for police funding, but it ended up somehow actually not going to local police departments. I, I can't remember who actually broke it down. I think it may have been Mike Lee uh, or Rand Paul. And they were like, this doesn't act. This doesn't go to, to police departments. This is you can't get mad at people for voting against something when you cram it in something even more awful. Oh, in order to get this, you have to pass this more horrible thing. Nobody's going to take that. That's not a good, that's not a good exchange. No one's going to take that deal. And so he went off and was saying, oh, Republicans, they all voted against it. Well, PolitiFact was like, that's not what happened. PolitiFact. And he repeated it again last night. Now, his, one of the, his, his big thing that he was pushing, he wanted to hire what he said, he wanted to hire 100,000 more officers for what he said was community policing and i'm i'm looking at some of the some of his remarks i love how they also put by the way in the transcript the audience members yelling i love you and i love you too that's so lame i've never seen anybody do that by the way i just have to gotta be gotta tell you i've never seen the white house do that with a transcript so he was saying that uh, no federal officer is allowed to use a chokehold no federal officer can restrict uh, no knock warrants and database blah 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 so you First off, I'm not quite sure how this works, particularly in the cities that are Democrat-controlled that historically have the most problems with police. I've talked about this before. I've written pieces, actually on my old website, danalash.com, where the, the, the cities that have these issues with police, if you look at who's running the cities, they're Democrats. Who appoints a police chief, Kane? You know who appoints a police chief? The mayor. Who is the, in these Democrat-run cities, the mayor's typically of what party? Oh, Democrats. Democrats. You got Democrat mayors appointing Democrat police chiefs, Mm -hmm. and then Democrats are mad because they don't like how the police departments that are run by Democrats, nominated by Democrats, are run? Where's the problem here? I mean, in St. Louis, with the Ferguson stuff, same issue. I mean, when you look at these police departments, that's typically how it is. No, I'm not saying all police chiefs that are Democrat are bad. But I'm saying Democrats act like they have no, we, we didn't know, we don't know who did it. It's like a little kid getting in the cookie jar. Who ate the cookie? They got chocolate all over their face. I didn't do it. I don't know who did it. I didn't eat anything. 
They create it's hurt and rescue. It's the it's the tactic of hurt and rescue. They cause the hurt and then they act like they got a rescue plan for it. That's not how this works. Furthermore, what this is is a step towards nationalizing the police force. I am a thousand percent against any kind of federal control or oversight over local police. That should terrify you. This is not an issue of whether you back the blue. Don't let them conflate that and and trick you into thinking that the only way you can back the blue is to support a federalized police force. Let me ask you this, because there are I've dealt with so many amazing cops. We have a great local police department. I'm happy to support them. You know, I, I, I they're all great folks. They work so hard. But I know that there's bad cops out there. I very I am very well known to have sat on a stage with a bad cop. And him accusing me of not doing his job when he failed to follow up on all these reports coming in about this murderer who went off to commit mass murder. I'm very familiar with bad cops. I had another bad cop, Art Acevedo, who threatened to use the police department and his resources to surveil me because I disagreed with him on concealed and campus carry. So I know bad cops. I completely agree with the critics out there that they do exist because I've dealt with them. I've dealt with many more who are good. But let me ask you this. For those people who are worried about bad policing and and are already frustrated about trying to work with their community and police departments, how much more awful do you think that job is going to be when all the control for that position and that work and all the decisions aren't made by a local chief or a local sheriff, a sheriff's accountable to the people, but by Washington, D.C. and some bureaucrat thousands of miles away from you. How do you think that's going to work? How much more will that abuse go unchecked? That's a legitimate question. Democrats want to drive a, a, and Kane notes this, and he's right, they want to drive a wedge between police and communities so that they can create a need for them to come in and exploit it and say, well, we can manage this and make it better. That's the way to federalize the police force. That is what Biden is pushing for in here. They've been doing this since Michael Brown, actually before then. So you have to ask yourself, look at everything that we've just been watching. The FBI raid, we're going to talk about the photos thrown all over the place. That was wild. There's, they were sitting here going, oh my gosh, top secret information that we're going to photograph and send to all members of the press. And then they tweet it all out. Look at this top secret information that we just shared in a photo. You got Eric Swalwell, a guy who fell into a honeypot with a Chinese spy, honey trap. Slept with a Chinese spy and he's worried his criticism isn't why in the hell why the hell is the FBI throwing this all around everywhere and sharing pictures? That's not his criticism. His criticism is that they were just there. And we're just taking the FBI's word that everything is supposed to be clad just because it has the border on it. That's and these are all cover sheets just because it says classified doesn't mean this could have been documents that he just declassified and then just had these left over. Remember, they even said that most of the information is public anyway. That's one of the things that, that was said in the statement the, for the affidavit, the memorandum for the affidavit. So this is all so ridiculous. Do you trust this agent? I mean, everyone's talking about this agency. Your, 
You, they want to move policing to be regulated the same way? Jiminy Christmas. I mean, just just think about think about if somebody and there's videos where sometimes and it's they're rare. It's rare. I mean, I've I've seen both sides. I've had people in my family who have who have served on the police force. And I've had people in my family that have had drug incidents. I mean, it's it's a way of life for everybody. Everybody's family. So I've seen everything happen from both sides. It's rare. But when you do have instances of excessive force being used and somebody wearing a badge who thinks it's a ticket to just abuse his power, you will have no way to remedy that locally if they get what they want and everything's federalized and controlled in D.C. That should scare the hell out of you. Does me. Like I said, I back sound enforcement of constitutional laws. I don't back anything blindly. I like myself more than I like being liked. So this, whatever that means, we'll see. But that's ultimately the big push. Now about these documents that have been everywhere, I noted this, I just can't, I, I mean, these photos, when did they, they started spreading this morning, right? Yeah. And I was, yeah, I was trying to figure out who was the first to, to tweet it out because the media started pushing out. I was trying to figure out what entity was the first one to put it out there. It's interesting how it all seems to happen at the same time. So I'm just thinking that everybody got stuff. You know, the DOJ has already been leaking. They've already been doing this. So I, you know, the whole, all of this I think is, is, suspect in the first place the doj court filing and this ended up being it was a photo that they put out uh their court filing on this they had all the photos in this and this is what all the media were linking begin this is like late last night this is what all the media were linking last night and the photos were included as though this is some photographic evidence you know etc it's exhibit one you know blah 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 and so it was the one photo that was, it was on the last page, attachment F. And it shows, there's also apparently a box of frames with a Time magazine cover and Trump on it. Trump said, terrible, by the way, the FBI during the raid of Mar-a-Lago threw documents haphazardly all over the floor, perhaps pretending it was me that did it, and then started taking pictures of them for the public to see. I thought they wanted to keep it secret. Lucky I declassified. So the thing is, why are they still, why are they still acting like the declassification is a big thing? What, here, let me, and, and think about this before, as we go into headlines. I meant, I talked about this last week when, when the affidavit came out and the memorandum, the memorandum was redacted. They couldn't even tell you why they went, they redacted the reasons why they even had the affidavit. But they, they actually said that they, they actually were trying to walk back the claim of declassified materials. Remember, we had that whole conversation last week. The charges that were being discussed, that well, I should say the potential charges that were touched on in the memorandum don't have anything to do with classified information. So... Why this photo? I'm, it's just, I've got to, now it's created more questions. It's like they're trying to say that, oh, it's a classified information 
investigation, but yet that's not what any of the claims are in any of the documents. So what is the point here? And this was like the, how many boxes did they take already? Over almost 20 boxes previously? I just, I have a lot of questions here. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. Are there mismatches in qualifications uh, versus what's actually available? Is some of this, you know, deindustrialization and the shifts, um, meaning that we have people who want to do certain work, but it's just not there? How much have, have changes in those two, I guess, trends, you know, the nature of the of, of available work? I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. Oh, tears. Tears, not really. Snapchat is going to lay off 20% of their employees. Their stock price has declined to 80% this year. Is it? Why? Why? I mean, I thought everybody loved to snap each other. Like, no, I don't, I don't know. They said that the layoffs will mainly be in their hardware division. And uh, they, their spectacles glasses and their pixie camera drone that was recently canceled, that's not, nothing's gone well. Their ads, it's nothing's gone well. So they're laying people off. Washington Post is on the struggle bus, too. Apparently, frustrations have mounted over there as nobody's subscribing. So they're trying to figure out what what to do. What, what are they going to do? They don't know. Uh, the uh, Let's see. More, more Americans smoke marijuana than smoke cigarettes. And uh, Meghan Markle, the briefcase girl who married the ginger spare, she said that people rejoiced when she married a white prince like they did when Nelson Mandela got out of prison. And she said that uh, an actor with The Lion King told her that. And the only South African actor in Lion King said that he never said that. Uh-oh. Seth Dillon with Babylon B next. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Uh, for information about gender-affirming hysterectomies. Okay, so gender-affirming hysterectomy. I've been in touch with quite a few hospitals, um, and a lot of them, well, they said they won't do it for, for my 16-year-old, um, and then I was told that this hospital might, and I also saw it on your website. Um, so if you guys do uh, do it for a 16-year-old, I'll, I would be happy for you know to come for a consultation or whatever it takes. Let me get you over to the operator, and I hate to transfer you. I just, I just need to want to know if, if you guys do service that age, you know, before obviously, before coming, you know, coming all the way for an in-person consult and going through all the paperwork well, and everything. Yeah, it depends. And each department is different. Some, some departments cut off for eighteen. How old, how old is your patient? Sixteen. Okay. All right. So they're in the clear. I'll email the um, Dr. Call and see what we can. Okay. In the meantime, if you still want me to transfer you, I can still transfer you to surgery. So the shocking thing about this audio that we just played, and this is from the creator of Libs of TikTok, who was subsequently banned, apparently from social, I, I think almost all social media at this point. Substack is really, I think, one of the only places that she can go. Her name was outed viciously by the Washington Post. The shocking thing about this audio, it should be shocking to everyone, is that this is a hospital saying, yeah, all the stuff that you write online, of course, we'll totally do, quote unquote, gender affirming hysterectomies, which I don't even know what that mean is supposed to mean. Doesn't sound like you're affirming gender. Uh, we do all these surgeries on minors. 
that's not the shocking thing. The shocking thing, apparently, is that you now know about it. How dare the creator of Libs of TikTok tell you that a hospital is doing completely experimental, unnecessary surgery on minors for gender dysphoria. And she's being blamed for everything and, and, and kicked off the Internet, all kinds of stuff. Joining me now, Seth Dillon is the CEO of Babylon Bee and Libs of TikTok, and he joins me. I was, I, Seth, I thought you'd be joining me for some, from some like bunker instead of just a regular office building, considering all the hate that's coming y'all's way. This, this is truly extraordinary, because I, I think if we lived in a rational world, the story would be, why in the world are hospitals... This is medical abuse. This is this is some kind of, you know, a quasi appeal to authority. We're these we're doctors, so we know better than you. We're going to perform unnecessary surgery and pump these these teenagers full of hormones without even knowing the full extent of the consequences of those actions. That's not the story. The story is how dare you all talk about it. Get, talk to me a little bit about this. Is she back? Is she is is Libs of TikTok able to be even back on Twitter yet? No, not yet. Still locked out temporarily. That's insane. So, yeah, the suspension was for seven days. They didn't really specify why other than to say violations of hateful conduct. This is apparently hateful conduct to talk about these things, to draw these things to people's attention. We're trying to understand how that's the case. This is this is coming from a place of concern for children who are too young to be able to consent to procedures. Like, first of all, I don't think these procedures should be done on anybody. This is doing irreversible damage to people's bodies, but to be doing it to minors is incredible. And you're absolutely right. The outrageous thing here is that instead of being upset about the fact that these hospitals are advertising these procedures to children and confirming that they do them when you call them and ask about it, people are outraged that we talked about it, that we reported on it. And this is the thing is, is all these attacks that are coming out, Libs of TikTok are saying Libs of TikTok is spreading misinformation and that's now leading to violence at clinics and these threats on these clinics. And it's just, it's shocking to me that they're that they're going to lie and take that tack too. I mean, you heard the reporting for yourself, right? This is what the hospital said. We have the screenshots of the hospital's website. So if, if you want to say that somebody's putting misinformation out there, if the hospital staffers are lying and their website is incorrect, accuse the hospital of putting out misinformation, not us for reporting on what the hospital told us. That's a great point. We're talking with Seth Dillon, CEO of Babylon B and Libs of TikTok. Because the the misinformation and that's all that that uh, that's all of the TikTok has ever done is simply take what other people have posted and what exists on like the Boston Children's Hospital website and put it out there. She had linked to uh, and I think this is I don't know if this is one of the tweets that was supposed to had been had, that she had to delete or something to that effect. We had it on the show last week where there was uh, maybe it was Boston Medical, but maybe it was their their children's hospital where they were saying that they they do this hormone therapy uh, for gender affirmation, which is still such an Orwellian word. But yet in the same statement, they also admit that there are really no long-term studies done. They're just beginning now to look at what the effects of this hormonal treatment will be. But yet they're telling everyone it's safe and therefore it's a legitimate, effective medical treatment. And she accurately pointed out, how can you say this when you also say that you have no evidence at all whatsoever to support your claim that it's safe? There's no studies done on this. That's not medicine or science, but she's the violent one. This is experimentation is what it is. The children who are undergoing these procedures right now are the study. That's what we're going to find out 10 years from now, how this actually impacts children in their lives, what they go on to deal with in terms of depression, suicide rates, regret. Um, and you're already seeing a lot of it. I mean, you, it's not hard to find people who are posting online about how these, these are they have deep regrets about going through with these procedures. And so there's 
there's a lot of harm and damage being done. They haven't fully figured out exactly what the impact of all of this is. All they all they know is, and the drum that they keep beating is, this is the affirming, loving, compassionate thing to do. Just affirm these children and whatever. And what I think is really like evil about all of this is that the reason so many of these kids are confused about their gender is because they've been influenced to be confused about their gender. So we're actually foisting this confusion on them and then saying the answer to it is life-altering, irreversibly damaging surgery that's going to change and destroy their lives. So we're, we're creating the problem and then, and then compounding the problem by offering what's not actually a solution. So uh, I don't know. I think the whole thing is really sick and crazy, and it's absolutely a sign of the clown world that we're living in that you can object to this stuff on moral grounds and say, hey, look, I think this is wrong. I think it's bad that it's happening. Here's what's actually happening. Here's what you need to know about. And simply showcasing that and putting it out there to the world, like you said, lives at TikTok, just takes what's out there and presents it to everyone so they can see it. Yeah. We're just holding it up. We're holding it up so you can look at it. It's not like we're we're calling for anyone to do it. We're not even calling for protests. No. We haven't said, go protest this hospital. We're just saying, this is what's happening at this hospital. I've never seen anything more or- Orwellian unfold than not only how you guys are fact-checked, how Babylon Beast fact-checked, but also how <laughs> libs of TikTok is attacked because it just simply an account that reposts previously publicly posted information. To your point, Seth, I, a story out today, Florida Medicaid sees soar, see soaring increase of kids receiving puberty blockers, hormones, and irreversible surgery. Rates of children taking puberty blockers has increased nearly 270%, according to Florida Medicaid data. Mm. Is this the influence? Is it an influence that we're seeing on social media? Is it of, of Hollywood entertainment? Is it all of it? I mean, clearly, yeah. I mean, because we... I don't remember growing up with stuff like this. No, it's uh, it's trendy. It's absolutely trendy. It's popular. Um, you know, you've got you've now got parents that have multiple kids. Oh, all three of our kids are trans at the age of three, four, and five. It's it's just it's unbelievably trendy. And it, you know, Bill Maher made a, a joke about this. You know, he's half joking because he's taking it very seriously. He thinks it's terrible. But he made a comment about this. You know, it's like. Are we, how is it that all of a sudden all these kids are born in the wrong body? All of a sudden, overnight, we have all these kids born in the wrong body. Is it really just that we're more accepting now or are we actually influencing these kids? Mm. And that's the point I'm making is that we are very aggressively, and by we, I mean as a society, not myself. I would discourage this every step of the way. But as a society, as a culture, in the entertainment industry, on of course, on TikTok, uh, but even with parents and these teachers at these schools, are the books that we're that we're presenting to them, the entertainment that we're presenting to them, we're pushing this as if it's a really great thing and more people should it's like we're trying to make as many kids trans as possible. You bring up and a then really we're putting good point. them on these paths to go through surgeries and, and have to be on medication for the rest of their lives to try to you you know uh, adapt their bodies to being the other sex, which is not even possible. You have to just keep pumping yourself with hormones. So I just think it's I think I think it's terrible, and it and, and what's what's really really wrong about it is is this uh, is the suggestion that the people who are objecting to it uh, are somehow motivated by hatred. Okay, you know this this idea that we're motivated by hatred. We, we hate the the LGBTQ community because we're we're objecting to this stuff. 
This is about behavior. This is about evil behavior that we're objecting to that's doing real world harm to children. Yeah. That's what we're objecting to. It's why we object to drag shows for children, for example. This is sexualizing and negatively influencing and corrupting innocent children. It has nothing to do with the identity of the person who's doing it, whether they're gay or straight, whether they're trans. Who cares? It's, they can yeah, do whatever they want. It's wild. It's the and, and, the, and the children of presence at drag shows, it's almost like kids are used as a modern day indulgence. However many kids you bring to a, dr- a, a drag show, like in Roanoke, down the highway from me in Texas, however many kids you bring, apparently that raises your your value in the in the woke scold community a couple of bars because it just proves your commitment to the cause. You brought up a really right. good point. We're talking to Seth Dillon, CEO of Babylon B uh, and lives of TikTok. If you're listening across the country, hundreds of affiliates or watching the simulcast on the first or YouTube, you acceptance used to mean you used to have tolerance and acceptance. And at some point in the past, like 15, 20 years, tolerance became to mean acceptance. And you just said something interesting a bit ago. You were talking about influence and acceptance because now it seems as though acceptance means influence that unless you're part of either supporting or somehow assisting in the influence in some way, then you are phobic of you were transphobic or whatever phobic now. What 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 do you think about that? Because it seems there's no that line. It seems like that line's disappeared. Acceptance is now influence. Yeah. Well, all of it. I mean, the, the, the hijacking of terms like tolerance, you know, tolerance is supposed to mean bearing with something that you find uh unbearable but you tolerate it you know you 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 deal with it you cope with it even though it's something that you don't affirm necessarily tolerance has nothing to do with affirmation right right um i tolerate you know the fact that my tag on my shirt is itching me right now just to get cut through the day off, until just i can change my shirt you know it's it's <laughs> it should um but you know it's it's it, it's really it's really messed up um how we're we're, we're trying to position these things where we're, we're changing the meanings of these terms. And the reason that they're doing this, it's, you know, it's, it's very clear to me. I think it's self-evidently clear that the strategy here is to uh, sideline and silence anybody who opposes any of this stuff on any level. If you voice any concerns, any of, of objections, um, unless you're affirming and celebrating these things, then yes, you fall into that camp of people who are hateful. And the, and, the, and the big tech uh, policies, you know, on hateful conduct, they're very clear. You engage in hateful conduct, you're gone. So it's, it's a really easy path for them to go down to say, hey, look, we don't like this criticism. We want these things to move forward without criticism. Mm. So we'll just simply paint with, a, with a, a, a broad brush everybody who objects to it on any level, even if they're objecting to the behavior itself because they think it's bad behavior. Uh, we're going to we're going to call them hateful. We're going to call them bigots. We're going to say that, that what, what they want is for people to die. And that's why they're objecting to this is because they want violent protesters to show up and kill everyone involved in what's happening. It's like, look, we don't want kids to be corrupted. We don't want right. kids to be sexualized. We don't want kids to be mutilated by surgeons before they're old enough to make decisions like that, that have permanent lasting implications for their lives. That's what we don't want. That's what we're objecting to. You can't paint that as hatred, but they do. They do. They do try to paint it as hatred. And it's all about speech control and protecting their narrative and their agenda that they're trying to advance from any criticism whatsoever. That's what this is about. It was about love from their point. They would have made sure that the stuff that they were doing at the bare minimum was safe, which I'm still I'm right with you. I agree with you a thousand percent on it, but they don't even make it make it safe. I have to ask you about this headline from Vice talking with Seth Dillon. Apparently libs of TikTok is helping the helping the Kremlin boost anti LGBTQ disinformation. I would say, Seth, 
that because Putin drinks water and you drink water, why are you helping the Kremlin? I mean, it's just such a lame association. Yeah, um, I haven't even talked to Putin since yesterday. I mean, this is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's, come on. Um, I, they're really reaching. I, the fact that they would go for like the Russia, like we're colluding with Russia now, just just like Trump. Like when after all that that narrative has been through where they've tried to advance that and, they, and it, it just hasn't worked. The fact that they're falling back on that really kind of reeks of desperation to mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, I just think it's funny. I, I don't even have a response to that one other than to say that's comical. That guy's a clown. I can't um, believe this guy got but, paid to write this piece. I mean, this is like Fisher Price journalism. This is so bad. It's, it's just it's, it's terrible. But but the story that was coming out last night, you know, about this hospital that, yes. that um, this D.C. hospital that or I'm sorry, the Boston hospital um, that was threatened with a bomb, apparently. Um, and then, and, it, you know, yeah, that was a false claim. Were there any apologies given for that? No. Well, what happened was, yeah, somebody anonymously called in a threat and they, they, they checked it out. They cleared it out. There was no bomb. It was a fake bomb threat. Um, anonymous, an, anonymously called into the police or the hospital. I'm not sure which. It's not, it's not abundantly clear. Um, but everybody was quick to say, oh, well, this is because of these far right groups like it's of TikTok that are condemning these hospitals practices. Um, they wanted this to happen. The blood will be on their hands. Um, I would bet money. In fact, I would bet a substantial, a meaningful amount of money. That whoever called in that tip is somebody who's trying to advance this narrative that we are inciting violence. I believe this was an unhinged leftist who called in that tip. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe for a second that it was like one of our followers who was inspired. This is a children's hospital. We're, our concern is for children. Our followers' concern is for children, the well-being of children. We're not threatening hospitals. We're not trying to blow up hospitals and get people to show up there and, and plant bombs. Yeah. I, I highly, highly, highly doubt that it was anybody who's a supporter of Libs of TikTok who made this phone call. I think it was an unhinged mm. leftist. Yeah, none of you are uh, anti-crisis pregnancy center advocates. So, yeah, that's, you know, we're out of time at this point, but we'd love to have you back. Seth Dillon with Babylon B and Libs of TikTok. Keep doing what you're doing and shining the light, even though they try to put it out. We appreciate all Thank your Thank you. I, I appreciate you having me come on to uh, to give our side of it. Of course, as always. Seth Dillon, everybody. Babylon B, make sure you go and the fact checks are hysterical of their satire. I love it. <laughs> Seth, thanks so much. Have a great rest of Thank your you. week. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. I don't got this one on my list, but it should be in your hearts because, you know, parents like to do all kinds of activities with their kids, right? You got uh, father-daughter dances, mother-son stuff. They go out and have, you know, go see movies. You know, you always do stuff with your kids. I don't know about getting arrested in your front yard with your kid, though, but that's what happened to 38-year-old Mark Dandridge and his mother, 62-year-old Venetia Berry. They were arrested Monday morning in their front yard after she fled an attempted traffic stop, and then her son interfered with a deputy trying to arrest her. So a deputy spotted 62-year-old Venetia Berry driving a truck with the wrong license plate attached. She would not pull over when they tried to make a traffic stop. So she ultimately stopped at her home in Crestview, and it appeared she was going to flee on foot, and so they tried to take her into custody, and then her son, Mark Dandridge, decided to Leroy Jenkins out the front door, and he apparated into the yard, approached a deputy in a hostile manner. They both got arrested together. What a fun mother-son activity, getting arrested together. Check that off your list, I guess. Third hour on the way. Matt Welch joins us. He's got a very interesting Gorbasm story. Stick with us. And by the way, how many, my dad used to love to hunt in the Poconos when we lived in Scranton. How many deer or bear wearing Kevlar vests? Huh? 
Not a joke. Just sorry. I just <laughs> it's never good when it's at the start of the show and you can't even get it together. I knew there was going to be a downside to playing this audio. Oh my gosh, my eyes are watering. Oh my gosh, please waterproof mascara. Hold on, hold on. Welcome back to the show, <laughs> third hour. Dana last year with you. <laughs> I was looking. <laughs> I was looking for that. In um, his speech, because I have the, the, the transcript, and he, dude, I, think about it, what are we doing? I mean, my dad loved to hunt in the Poconos. How many deer or bear are wearing Kevlar vests? Not a joke. Golly, man. So that's not how ballistics work by the way like audio sound by 10 can we just <sighs> i go ahead without comment just let it go Do you realize the bullet out of an ar-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun except it it doesn't though but you know you keep doing what you're doing it's not really how any of that works. It's not how ballistics work at all. Um, not at all. This is part of his thing where he decides, you know, I know that we have a horrible economy, but we need to focus on something that doesn't even actually pull well for Democrats. Gun control. That's not, um, first off, there's nothing more special about the AR-15 than any other firearm. He thinks it makes the bullet spit out faster. Right? That's the that's what I'm... Yeah. I mean, I keep looking at the transcript. I'm like, that's not really... He didn't do it, did he? But he did. He did. Yeah, that's not at all how um, that works. It doesn't work that way. That's not how ballistics work. It doesn't, doesn't make it shootier. Because it's, they, everybody has, every barrel has rifling. There's no, that's not, no, that is not how that works at all. Tribes <sighs> are than any other gun. That's no, that's not, that's not accurate. We have so much audio from this, uh, from his remarks yesterday. Look, he, you know, he's talking about, he was making fun of everybody and talking about F-15s. The... I mean, if, if I can have an F-15, I just got to figure out, I'm already like, how can I reconfigure my driveway to park it like where am i even going to land it we got some big old church parking lots around here you know maybe i could you know some big big one down the road in keller maybe just get that one i don't know i mean just land my f-15 there i mean i don't know i'll have to figure out how to do that um but long story short okay, I guess we can have F-15s now. If, he, if they don't think, he actually believes that, well, you, if any government, and I, I had a friend of mine that made this point, and I, I want to read it accurately, make sure, her name's, I am Leah. She says, the government telling you that you don't need guns because they'll just crush you with other weapons is exactly the point at which you need guns. Exactly. 
Thank you. I completely agree. Okay, so I also want to play... I want to play this, Audio Soundbite 6. Now, before I play this, remember what we said yesterday, the Lindsey Graham audio where he was saying because of the double standard between the Trump situation and information and Hillary Clinton that people would riot over a difference in treatment. That's what he specifically said. We play the audio. We broke it down. This is how Biden purposely mischaracterized it. President McUnity Cheesehead yesterday. You hear some of my friends in the other team talking about political violence and how it's necessary. Think about this now. Did any of you think, even as old as I am, you've ever been in an election where we talk about it's appropriate to use force, political violence in America? It's never appropriate. Never. Period. Never, never, never. uh, No one called for that. Necessary? No one one said... No one, no one called for that. No one said that it was how political violence was necessary. Literally nobody said that. By the way, Steve Scalise, Rand Paul, Brett Kavanaugh, the Prices Pregnancy Centers, some churches, they were all unavailable for comment. Just, hmm. Oh, my gosh. And then this was, oh, this was the other good one. So this is Audio Soundbite 9. He doesn't apparently know who's running for... Uh, an office in Pennsylvania. He has no idea. So he was uh, talking about John Fetterman, uh, who's running for Senate, right? And then he was also talking about uh, Josh Shapiro, who is, what, is he running for governor? Yeah. yeah. No, sorry, attorney. Uh, the, yeah. So he ends up, this is his state, right? Isn't he like, I'm Pennsylvania, I'm Scranton. I went to the pool in Scranton and all the... I had I, I, the black children petted my leg hair. He said that, not me. Okay, for real, he did. It's been animated. I don't know if you've seen that. It's hysterical. Listen to this because he has no idea where he is. Please, please elect the attorney general of the Senate. <laughs> elect that big old boy to be governor. Deer and bear and Kevlar and that big old boy. Okay, there, there, there you go. He has no. Yeah, yeah, he has no idea what to. He has no idea what's going on. None at all. But he was. He sounded pretty uh, hateful, and he would just start yelling randomly about things during his his address. He would just start randomly yelling about stuff. I don't know. I mean, it just weird, man. It was it was a whole weird thing. Now, I wanted to share this story with you because the IRS, as you know, they're going to get bigger. Yay, with your tax dollars. Spencer Brown has a story about Nicole Flax. Now, she recently served as the deputy commissioner in charge of the IRS's large business and international division. She's been with the IRS since 2008. Now, she's going to lead, according to the IRS commissioner, Flax will be leading, and I'm quoting, the creation of a new centralized office for implementation of all IRS-related provisions. That's in the Inflation Make It Bigger Act. So anything that says centralized, Democrats are like, oh, there's things that make Democrats totally tweak out. It's the word centralized, the word infrastructure, and railroads in general. 
they just lose their minds. Oh my gosh. Centralized. I love it. <laughs> Infrastructure. <laughs> they love it. They get so excited. Here's the problem. Nicole Flax is a lowest learner lackey. She was one of the people who was involved in targeting conservatives in the IRS <laughs> through the IRS. Oh, what? Yeah, that was her. That was the, that was the, all their people. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, lowest learner set within the IRS. She was a very frequent visitor to the White House. There's all kinds of stuff. The IRS lied to people. They tried to cover up the fact that they lost documents that they were supposed to produce during the investigation. The IRS is still leaked. Didn't they leak a bunch of stuff about Nikki Haley's group? That's not supposed to be leaked. That's your that's supposed to be kept confidential. That's not in anybody's business. No, but see, the IRS desperately thinks people who are successful should be punished. And so they want to justify a, a greater theft of money that they didn't earn. And so they want to emotionally manipulate people and try to uh, make you jealous of your fellow man uh, and act like it was a situation beyond your control. And but then they don't let you know that they're the ones controlling the economy. And then you want higher taxation because of this. That's it. But that's that's a that's not you're not supposed to be seeing that information. It's not supposed to be leaked. That's not stuff that you're supposed to see. But yet we're making it bigger. So, yeah, you have a lowest learner, Aggie, Lackey, who is now involved in all of this. Just lovely. You remember when they um, the IRS, there were six high ranking individuals when they did the investigation of IRS targeting of Tea Party groups, conservatives, et cetera, pro-life people. And they said that all these, one of them was uh, Nicole Flax. And that was when she was the former chief of staff to acting commissioner Stephen Miller. And they lost all these emails and it was all during that time. Oh, you mean these emails that you need desperately for the investigation and our abuse of authority for political targeting? We lost those. Lost them. How did you lose an email? I just lost it. Misplaced it. You misplaced the email? Uh Uh-huh. Where have we heard that before? So that person, that broad, is going to be in charge. (sighs) You know when, um, you know there's things that you can get printed on your checks? You know? You can get stuff. I I read, uh, for instance, (laughs) this one guy, he divorced. I saw that, it's not on Facebook years ago. This like lady, his wife cheated on him, so he divorced her, and then um, uh, she he had to send her child support checks, and so he when he remarried, he put his wedding portrait on 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 his checks, and then he sent them to his wife, his ex wife, with the child support checks. I'm like anything that I have to send, like when I have to write a check to pay my, I pay everybody's fair share, just like everybody, all of you do, since you know, <sighs> I you know where I'm going with this. I feel like I'm going to. Get some checks printed, Kane, just for that purpose. Yeah. I'm not joking. And just see what happens. I my, support it. My accountant's going to have a stroke. I totally support it. I, they're, they're just like, every time I have a question, I can just feel them going, oh, my gosh. Because I press every button. I'm like right up to the line. They're like, no, you will totally get audited. That's their response. Can't do that. You'll totally get audited. You'll, no, you'll totally get audited. No, uh, you'll get audited. Audited. Totally audited. So I always ask a million questions. They're, they're so nervous because they're, they said they're going to come after conservatives. Our accountants are saying this. Accounting firm. 
<sighs> All right. So coming up, we're going to after headlines, Matt Welch is going to join us. There was a he had a very interesting piece and we're going to talk about this because I'm I'm it's just kind of amazing it, the the way that the media has reacted to I don't look at this as a story of like Gorbachev. I look at it as a story of you know, really, it's the it's the the last leader of the Soviet, and then you have this Vladimir Putin who really has like this fetish for bringing it back, right? But Matt Welch apparently was at an event, and he was he was asking he apparently asked Gorbachev some uncomfortable questions, and uh, it didn't it didn't go over well. So he's he's going to join us to talk about it. He had a he was at a lunch for him 16 years ago, and he was like, "I want you to comment on Putin," and he said it got really testy. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. <laughs> I was just laughing so hard over the story. So apparently, uh, Matt Damon accidentally... Matt Damon. He accidentally sent $10 million. His, the crypto firm that he promotes unwittingly sent $10 million to an Australian woman. Fortune favors the brave. Uh, and it, I mean, like, apparently that actually happened. Uh, Washington Examiner has the story. They said that the plaintiffs didn't, so they're in court, didn't realize this significant error until seven months later. How do you not know that you are down $10 million? Oh my gosh. Oh man. So they accidentally transferred $10.4 million to an Australian woman. And then she went right back and purchased a mansion. So they, the crypto firm uncovered the mistake after a routine audit. They tried to get the money back. They were going to apparently wire $100 as part of a refund, but it accidentally was $10 million. So she split the payday with six others, got a big old mansion and uh, all kinds of stuff. But she had moved most of the money to her sister's account. And so they're trying to like hide the money so they can't get it. It's apparently still happening. Oh, my gosh. Do you pee, Matt Damon pees? I'm just, if you've seen the South Park thing it's hysterical i just i just want to make fun of that for the rest of the rest of the show now uh also let's see Ooh, wow used coronavirus masks gowns and rubber gloves are being tossed in landfills each month they can be shredded into tiny pieces and added to cement to make the concrete 22 percent stronger than the traditional mix and also 22 percent stronger than this quote-unquote vaccine yet isn't man what a sign of the time and uh, Whole Foods, they're facing a lawsuit because apparently they're antibiotics. There's antibiotics in their beef that they have that are supposed to be antibiotic free. I don't know. Matt Welch from Reason joins us next. Want a behind the scenes look at the Dana show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. This was another fundraising job and it became one of Gorbachev's most famous images. The ad for designer luggage shows him pensively looking out at the remains of the Berlin Wall. Its destruction remains the most iconic achievement of Gorbachev's time in power and a key reason why he was so respected by the international community. Golly, I mean, the fawning over this. You knew it was going to happen. Welcome back to the sh- welcome back to the radio program. Dana Lash here with you. You can watch the simulcast on the first YouTube, wherever. If you're not listening across the country, yeah, it's this this necromantic fawning over Gorbachev. And I came across this piece last night by Matt Welch over at Reason, 
Um, actually, he tweeted he tweeted this out yesterday, right as the news of Gorbachev, uh, I guess, embracing better dead than red, like fully uh, came out. He said he hosted a lunch for Mikhail Gorbachev 16 years ago. Things got testy when he asked him to comment on the awfulness of Vladimir Putin. Matt Welch, who is an editor of Reason, you can find it, Reason Magazine, Reason.com, joins us now via Skype. Matt, good to see you. Thank you for joining Hi, me. I I could not, I was, this was a really interesting, I, tell everybody about your experience and don't let me do it for you. Yeah, so I was uh, at the, the LA Times back in 20, 2006. And we used to have regular lunches at the editorial board with whoever was coming through town. And in this case, the person coming through town was Mikhail Gorbachev. <laughs> and the people there knew that I had lived there, uh, not in Russia, but in Central Europe in the 1990s, and then had some knowledge of the guy. And so I had lunch with him along with 10 of my colleagues. And As one would uh, do. sat next to him. I mean, it's 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 our job, uh, right? It's very strange for me because I'm uh, I'm someone who comes from the uh, uh, point of view of Czechoslovakia, where I lived, and Hungary, where I lived. Those places didn't like Gorby. Yeah, they were not super fond of him, which is something that dumb Americans, and I include myself highly in that list, don't really realize until you got there. I got there in 1990. Um, you know, uh, Gorbachev killed Lithuanians oh, yeah. in 1991. He sent tanks into Vilnius. Wasn't that after his Nobel Prize? Yes, it was after his Nobel Prize. Uh, I mean, I would say that the man did deserve a Nobel Prize. Um, It's just that we try, we end up giving him credit for things that he didn't want to have happen at all. Which Uh, which, which brings me to this, because the way, if you were to read, I have like a collection of headlines where people, I mean, and and these are blue checked, you know, publications where they were acting as though, oh, Gorbachev was so upset with Vladimir Putin for ruining his legacy. And uh, he was really, really turning his back on communism. That that's not what your experience was. I got to hear this. Yeah, so I asked him about Vladimir Putin because at that time Putin had been in for a while, and Putin comes, you know, KGB background and oh, yeah. everything, uh, and he was starting the long process of kind of democratic and authoritarian backsliding, and I mean, it's like uh, Gorbachev's birthmark started glowing uh, <laughs> at me, and his <laughs> eyes were glazing because all the other journals of the LA Times were being all nice to him. He was there, right. uh, by the way, to promote his uh, his Green Cities initiative. Right. Communism, which is as filthy as can be to the environment, it just destroys the environment. Suddenly um, he was becoming an environmentalist. Mm. Putting that aside, uh, I wasn't going to go without asking about Putin. And he got just furious um, because he used it as an excuse of like the United States uh, humiliated Russia. It shoved our nose in it. You've been trying to degrade us with the expansion of NATO and yada, yada, yada. Um, I think that some of that is, is it, you know, is genuine Russian nationalism coming from Gorbachev. Uh, part of it also is that he was a pariah back home almost immediately after mm-hmm. stepping down uh, the day before the Soviet Union, thank God, uh, collapsed. Um, he was a pariah because the Soviet Union, the empire dissolved. Yeah. We should give him credit. I'm happy for him. I gave paid tribute to the fact that he didn't get in the way too much when actual freedom fighters were tearing down the Berlin Wall. It wasn't him. It was people who were brave uh, were doing that. But he could have, like Russian dictators have uh, and Soviet dictators did before him, he could have sent in tanks, and he only did a couple of times. So he was in this a little case, Mao, not like full-on Mao. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was. we should give him credit for being a liberalizer, perestroika and glasnost, definitely helped unleash all the things that happened, 
right? Was that but bad they strategy on his part, though, or or was it? Because I, it's, it's not really virtue, is it? I mean, did, he just thought you could give people a little freedom and they won't want more. He was desperate. They were broke. I mean, and that also goes to uh, how um, he reacted in the wake of the Cold War. He didn't want uh, he, uh, the German reunification, but it wasn't up to him. He wanted the Warsaw Pact to stay uh, in in business, but all the other members said, "Are you kidding me?" You've sent tanks in here before. Get out of our countries. He didn't have choice. And so the West could say, and especially Germany, but also the United States could say, here's a bunch of money. Look the other way or don't be a problem. And so he would do that um, time and time again. Look, the, I mean, money for the country, not right. necessarily for himself. Um, and in that process, uh, things happened eventually, like the expansion of NATO, which he tried to blame on kind of a stab at the back theory that he, that we promised him that wouldn't happen. I don't believe in that theory at all, knowing, uh, covering that in real time uh, back in the day. But he had the same kind of sense of Russian nationalism as Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Putin is more successful at it. It became the, the whole point of Putin's career is the kind of restoration of the uh, perceived lost uh, grandeur of the Soviet Union, the, the insult, the amputation of the empire. Uh, so Russians never really um, figured out, never had their post-war period. And part of that is on us uh, as well. Like, uh, like you know, Russians, after the end of big wars, what happens? There's usually a big negotiation that happens uh, with the victors and the losers. And the victors kind of tell the losers what's up. Um, there's, uh, you know, population exchanges. Their borders are redrawn. And in many, many cases, in almost every case in history, in a major war, um, there's going to be a lot of retribution. Yeah, We did not exact retribution on the Soviet Union or on Russia as much as Gorbachev tried to tell me the opposite at lunch 16 years ago. And as much as Vladimir Putin's whole reason for living tries to say that, we didn't dictate terms. We didn't say, you know what? You enslaved hundreds of millions of people. That's kind of a problem. You got to pay retributions. Very little of that happened. They, the environmental destruction that the Red Army created all throughout Central Europe, it's its terrifying, but they weren't really paid for it. I think uh, wisely for the most part, but uh, also Russia has not really had to internalize its own external imperial crimes. And so this contributes to things like their invasion of Ukraine, which is just horrifying. Yeah, which is so, we're talking with Reasons, Matt Welch, and he's got a great piece. I, I, I liked how he said you really, this is so pertinent now because we're kind of going through, you know, I think a, a, a much more diminished Cold War kind of 2.0 where instead of having, you know, all of these republics, because Ukraine was kind of a crown jewel, the Republic and USSR, and now, you know, they've been thwarting the machine. I mean, they've got their own corruption for sure, but they're not part, they're not Soviet anymore. I mean, they're de they definitely don't want to be under Russian control. But it's it, to, to be able to figure out how to navigate this now, you really do need to rely on everything that happened with the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, this, it, he seems, it just seems kind of like this weird dichotomy here of, you know, Gorbachev wanted kind of communism light and he didn't want to be as brutal. He, but he was still pretty brutal, the Lithuanians and Latvians. And then there was this, it, it seems as though he's arguing with his own past. I was reading a piece uh, that uh, he, uh, he was lamenting to a friend about how, uh, you know, Putin had changed things for him. W what did he ultimately, w was it just kind of a front? Was he just sort of like faking this idea of being a more practical communist when really he, he you know, wanted the motherland, he wanted the, the, the USSR put back together like, like Putin does? He just didn't go out and say it? 
Well, I, who knows how much he would like to actually get his hands bloody with the putting it all back together. He definitely lamented it because that's why Russians hate him. Yeah. And it must not be fun <laughs> to be hated in your own country. Right. I mean, Putin at some point made his uh, political party illegal. So that kind of was a was a blunting factor. Mm -hmm. But even in the mid 90s, Gorbachev would try to run for president and people would just basically laugh at him. So he was uh, kind of adored by the West or respected by the West for his role in this wonderful thing that happened. There were hundreds of millions of people were liberated partially because they responded to some of the opennesses that he his, started. His failure was kind of the success control. in a way. Yes. Um, but like it is, it's important to realize that if it was up to him, right, there would still be socialism from Leipzig to Yakutsk, right? The whole risk map. <laughs> There'd be yes. a huge amount of socialism still going on. The Soviet Union would still be with us. The Baltics wouldn't be independent. A bunch of things like that would be the case. So it wasn't his desires that made it happen. It was kind of his desperation and what people did and then what how he did not respond. Um, you know, I'm sure he basked in the adulation. I'm sure he loved being in vendors movies. That's always fun. And Pizza Hut commercials, all of it was kind of great to <laughs> have so that wild. sort of Internet, it's great. Uh, have that internet celebrity, even uh, pre-internet, but just sort of a global celebrity. But he was hated at home, and and Russian politics has basically been created to fill the vacuum that he that happened on his watch. Right. And so you must, he must have been totally conflicted by it. He there was a documentary movie with Werner Herzog um, that came out uh, in 2018 or 19. In uh, where Herzog is like, you know, it must have been terrible for you to see this happen, you know. And, uh, and Gorbachev <laughs> said, yeah, it was really hard. It was really, really hard to see the Soviet Union, uh, you know, collapse. Yeah, um, I, you, so you write in your piece, we're talking with Reasons Matt Welch, that it was really his inactions which allowed everything. The the glasnost, the the perestroika. He had said once that the West should have support should have supported more of his uh, more of his reforms, his communist light, which seems you know, a little bit, you know, kind of uh, counterintuitive to have done that. But it that's what really sparked that that freedom. Was there, did it seem like he had a regret in a way of allowing that to happen? I know that some of the uh, Politburo was saying that he was a coward and that's why he wasn't as brutal. I, I mean, sure. how much of that is true? Well, the, the, the key decision points that he made that were helpful, it could have gone a different way. Uh, October 7th, I think it was, in 1989, um, there were a lot of protests in Germany. There had been, uh, because Hungary had opened up its uh, border with uh, with Austria, while a bunch of East Germans were vacationing at uh, Lake Balaton, uh, they had kind of leaked through and suddenly like populations were beginning to shuffle around. Um, Germans were protesting. Eric Honecker, the East German leader, said, you know, can we crack down? Um, because, of course, these are all satellite countries of, of yeah. uh, the Soviet Union. And he said, no, don't do it. Um, so in in a key moment where, you know, we'd seen things in the past in in uh, in Poland in 1981, Czechoslovakia, in 1968, Hungary, in 1956, we'd seen the Soviets absolutely brutally suppress uh, freedom fighters. He at that moment said no, he allowed it to happen. So I think probably in his um, I mean, you know, maybe he had wanted it, but I think most likely he understood that you could no longer hold other nations captive, particularly when those people's. And, you know, in the case of Czechoslovakia, especially, you know, that was a pretty successful country yeah. in the 1930s. They they had memory of of being a very thriving capitalist economy and a pretty decent military as well. You're not going to keep them down if you're an impoverished country from a long ways away that everyone hates. Yeah. Um, so he knew that. But he probably wanted to keep 
at least the Soviet Union together, or at least to have people have a sense of brotherhood within the Commonwealth of Independent States. And that mostly didn't happen. Putin has found a way to kind of bribe some of the worst actors in their near abroad on his side in Belarus, Belarus and, yeah. and, and other places. Um, but for the most part, uh, Hungary, or not Hungary, but uh, Russia is very, very unloved uh, and can only kind of get its way through arm twisting and corruption. Very much diminished from the evil empire or so, that as Reagan coined them, that existed then. Talking with reasons, Matt Welch, last question for you. How, how did, do we, what, what can we rely on in terms of this as, as, as guidance to how to deal with this situation? I mean, it's, it's different, and yet it seems like a smaller threat, and you have somebody who's obviously very more apt to embrace brutality, to enforce, you know, as a means to an end. But yet it's still, there's, there's, there's some difference there. How, how, do we, how does this guide us going forward in dealing with Russia now? I mean, I've, I think you always have to be a realist when it comes to Russia and Russia's aims and its feelings uh, about its near abroad. And keep in mind, before Putin came around, Russia was engaged in just terrible brutality in places like Moldova, yeah. in places like Georgia. They're going to do that. They have this unrequited nationalism um, and former great powers that have that are going to do terrible things. Uh, so you have to be realistic about that and protect against that. But also, I think there's a lesson that Gorbachev himself kind of offers to us. The end of the Cold War was the greatest moment in human history, I do believe, uh, in terms of unleashing freedom. And not just in Central Europe, where I lived, but also in Africa and South America, because we were no longer having proxy wars. Right. America withdrew because we didn't really have colonial interest in that way. Uh, the Soviet Union withdrew, and suddenly everyone's like, oh, I guess we got to get along with each other instead <laughs> of having this civil war. This was a great thing. America, I believe, should take less responsibility for the world's affairs. This includes in Ukraine. Um, Europe should step up much more than it did. And, and I think it's one of the classic mistakes that the US, the West, everyone made after the end of the Cold War, that there wasn't a time to say, okay, cool, we did the Cold War, we, we were the heavy lifters over here. Um, now Europe, as you pat, uh, knit yourself back together, um, you are going to take responsibility for this. They Europeans absolutely did not. They sat on their hands through Yugoslavia. They're sitting on their hands now in Ukraine largely. Um, and, uh, and that is a problem. When we take responsibility or assume responsibility for other people's affairs, they don't themselves become responsible. I think that's a lesson to learn. That's a great point, Matt Welch, with reason. Great piece. And uh, that's, I mean, to have that life experience, that's very I mean I think anybody would would take uh, take that opportunity oh my gosh to ask this guy about Putin to ask Gorbachev about of course I'm going to do it so thanks for sharing that with us and for your time today it's good to see you thank you Dana of course take care listen to the Dana show live on the Odyssey app weekdays noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time find me on Substack chapter and verse the newsletter all kinds of good stuff on that for you and uh, tomorrow, we're going to go over the media's treatment between people who have strokes and parties, political parties. I, it's the dumbest thing ever, but we got to do it because it's my job. And also, you need to share in the stupidity with me. It's the, the weight of the burden is easier when shared, guys. All right, Kane, today in stupidity. All right, it is our president. I uh, hit a lot of stupidity audio from yesterday, but this one takes the cake. Do you realize the bullet out of an AR-15 travels five times as rapidly as a bullet shot out of any other gun man oh man and unfortunately that stupid will spread there will be people that believe it unfortunately joe biden ballistics expert that's when stupidity is contagious you know because this is shootier than this because it's painted black and it's got a scope on it 
that's not how, not how that works. Folks, have a great night. I will be back with you tomorrow.